He goes, I know I say I'm always excited about guests on the show, but this is one that we've been chasing for a very long time because essentially every single person we've spoken to has said, yep, get him, get this guy on. Uh, He's played for Australia in all three forms. He's captained the country in white ball cricket where he served with distinction. He's a Tasmanian stalwart and, dare I say, legend. And, you know, frankly, quite obviously one of the best blokes in cricket. I'm, of course, talking about George (laughs) Bailey. George, welcome to the show. With a rap like that, why wasn't I first off the bloody rank? <laughs> well, we had to get Ed Cowan on the show four times before we got you, so that's that's the package deal. Yeah. <laughs> we, we always start the same way, George, and I do it with trepidation, particularly when we talk to uh, international quality players. But, you know, what is your relationship to grade cricket? What, what does it mean to you? Um, well, it's, it's, it's where the game's still played. So you, you get back to grade cricket and it's actually played for the reason that you started playing cricket and um, it gets to the point I've certainly found over the last 10 years or so when your relationship with cricket isn't uh, it isn't that strong you're not feeling much love for it and um, inevitably you get back and and um, and play a couple of games of grade cricket and uh, and you rediscover your love for it you um you you realize that you're playing with blokes who are playing for the right reasons um and um, and blokes who prove that you can still play with a reasonable hangover, which I think always gives you a great deal of perspective. <laughs> so when you say when you say that George that blokes are playing for the right reason, I assume that when you come back to training, these blokes are asking you for you know got any gloves, got any kit, uh, got a stiff spare stick, um, and to that end, do you have any spare gloves I can use, I can have? Just how friendly, how you can always tell I reckon who's desperate for gloves with our. our <laughs> Who's who's actually gone and done a bit of research on your last few games? I mean, the bloke who comes up and says, "Geez, I thought you that LB was stiff a couple of weeks ago. You've got you just right. I know you need something. I'll uh, I'll keep that in mind." Seafood, seafood's a big one down here. I'll get uh, get a few blokes who this time of year in particular suddenly start saying, "Oh, Bales, you like crayfish, don't you? You, you, you abalone? I can, I'm actually going out this weekend if you want anything." Right, got you. That sounds like a bat. That sort of. <laughs> so you're saying that in Tasmania there's a different economy to say money. You actually just trade in seafood and cricket kit. <laughs> yeah, seafood, seafood, salmon, apples have gone down the window the last few years. Um, yeah, I think livestock livestock's still not bad, but um, but yeah, no, Craig, Craig, if, if you if you're talking and Grey Nichols too, we're talking premium product here. For, um, so it's, yeah, it's crayfish, big buggers. Can you um, give us a bit, like paint us a bit of a picture, Bales? If you and I'll call you Bales. Uh, we've just met over the phone, literally just now. But um, if, can you paint a bit of a picture about? what kit you would wear to grade cricket training. Like, I was lucky enough to play with a couple of guys who played for Tassie um, when they were in Sydney, so like Brendan Drew and Jason Crazier, both had vastly different um, approaches to the kit they would wear to training. Drew, he was always about wearing the Tigers kit, the Balmain Tigers kit, and uh, Crazier was mm. wearing his academy kit at all times. Um, what, what does George <laughs> Bailey wear to training? Yeah. <laughs> mm. um, I, I try and get some form of, of uh, South Hobart Sandy Bay gear on. Um, generally, it's a few years older than the updated, than whatever the, the young Better. kids are running around in this particular day. And depending how long I've been there, um, look, you may just have to throw something Australian or Hurricanes on just in case there's a few younger blokes down there who, who haven't actually spotted you at training and you just... <laughs> It's, it's much easier, I think, to set the tone 
with a bit of that gear than having to go around and actually tell everyone what you've done, isn't it? Just to just to just to continue the sort of silly theme of kit, um, George, if if I can just for a moment, and that you know sometimes when I roll around the house in you know, a hot summer's day, I just wear like old club shorts or like an old training singlet. Like, do you ever like just rock the you know an old Australian T twenty you know vest around the house, for instance? Uh, absolutely. Um, most Saturday nights, I'm still in my in my uh, orange vest that I um, grew particularly fond of during the World Cup. Yeah. Um, not <laughs> gardening in, in the yellow floppy. Yeah, very good. Um, but I do. But if I need if I need to go down to Bunnings or something, I'm not. I I get that. I get that off. Um, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Is this camp here or? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I'll tell you what I have. I reckon you boys would, would like this. I'll tell you what I've brought back to the to Sandy Bay over the last uh, couple of seasons is a little, um, a beautiful little Terry Towling hat that I've actually been wearing in game. Um, the, the Sandy Bay um, baggy was was a little uncomfortable. Um, I don't know if it was a sizing issue or they just they just perhaps the standard and uh, and it just wasn't working. I'd lost my cap somewhere in a in another bag so it was forced to uh forced it on the terry toweling one day and it fit it was just it just felt right um so i'm now seeking a little sandy bay badge that i can sew onto the front or at least three quarters sew on the front so it looks like it's been on there a little while and um and i reckon i reckon we could sell a few of those because that's that's a little vote catcher too, I reckon, with the umpire. <laughs> George, I, I could ask this question really earnestly, um, but but I won't. Like, there's a lot of we talk a lot on the show and through all of our indulgent mediums, Twitter and book and, and books and whatever. I don't even know how this is still going because it's all really just recycled. But like, we're often talking about what it takes to get to the top of the sort of social capital ladder of grade cricket or cricket in general. And your name keeps coming up when we, when people talk about someone who really is just popular in cricket. I'm not going to ask you how do you be popular in cricket, but really, mm. can you tell us how to be popular in cricket and also <laughs> give advice to anyone listening out there about how they can be popular in cricket? Well, short currency, and I don't think this works long term, is is runs and wickets. Um, but you'd be you'd be a fool if you thought that was a, a long term solution. Um, <laughs> Uh, oh, grade level, and as I've got older, this is certainly this certainly rings true. But I always reckon the youngster who does pretty well on the circuit <laughs> always always grab always sort of live vicariously through them a little bit. So I tend to gravitate if there's a youngster who brings with him a bit of a reputation for heading out most Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays, and the odd uni night during the week. I gravitate to him. He's normally got. Plenty of stories to share, um, which makes me feel young again. <laughs> and then, and then I think yeah, it might just be someone who's got what happens to be a, a, a trendy job at the time. That can be mm. that can mm. give you a little bit of, a little bit of status as well. I like it. I like the acknowledgement. Which I've George. got at, at Sandy Bay, so it's, it's really just, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm seeking. I am seeking the others out. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I appreciate that 
you have acknowledged that there are things beyond just runs and wickets as well um, that contribute to being popular in cricket. Can we just talk a bit about your, your they, cricket? They, they certainly work. They work, don't they? I mean, the, 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 the young fellow who takes a five for a score of 100, um, particularly post-Christmas when you're starting to get to the, the dangly part of the season, the, the, metal, mm. the middle part of the season. But, um, but, but let's be honest. I mean, if you're living week to week with that sort of pressure hanging over your head, I'm not sure it's sustainable. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I honestly don't know what you're talking about with January being the dangly part of the season. I never played finals cricket or got any medals, but um, nevertheless, yeah, I think you're quite good at the game. Um, George, let's talk about your cricket a little bit, if we could just do that quickly, um, because we probably should. With the Hurricanes at the moment and Tassie, I mean, how is your cricket going? You're talking a little bit here about getting older and realising you just want to do what you feel. You've, you've, you've got your Terry Towling hat on. You know who you want to associate with on the circuit. How's your own cricket going? Yeah, I'm faced with one of probably the biggest cricketing conundrums I've ever faced in my career at the moment because I've, I've stumbled upon a bit of a technique, um, which is awful. I mean, I'm the first to put my hand up and, um, <laughs> and say it. it's particularly putrid. Um and it's and it's working, and I'm just and it's and I, I'm at the stage now where I'm sort of thinking, when my professional cricketing career is done, I actually don't think I can ever set foot on the field again because um, I just can't. You just can't be playing muck around games, batting the way I'm batting. Um, so I'm really stuck between basically giving away the professional career, going back to a standard technique. And averaging 22 for the last 12 months of my career, or keep sticking my bum at the bowler, keep averaging 50 as I've done for 18 months, and then and then never ever play again. So I don't know if you've got any thoughts there to, to help me out, but I'm um, I'm at a bit of a loss, and that's and this is purely red ball, white ball cricket. I'm I mean big bash. I I can't even hit a two at the moment, let alone these blokes who are just popping balls onto the top of, top of stadiums. And just, they look like it's just whatever ball they decide to hit for four or six. These youngsters, mm, it just yeah. goes. Whereas, um, yeah, I've got I've got no answers to that. So mm. I feel like T20's gone past me, and uh, in four day cricket, I've got a bat like oh, I don't know how to describe it, but uh, pretty ordinarily in a pretty ordinary way to um, to just make mm. it work. I, I, I like the, I like the self awareness of that, George. Like you asked for our thoughts. Like I've got a particularly highbrow one. There's a great um, podcast by Malcolm Gladwell called Revisionist History, and he talks about this issue that uh, Wilt Chamberlain, the great NBA basketballer from you know 40, 50 years ago, had, where he um, I think he he scored a hundred points in a game once. He mm. realised that his um, when he went to the foul line, to the free throw, that he was far more accurate with what they called the granny shot, basically underarming the basketball into the net as opposed to the overhead shot. But he decided that he didn't want to do the granny shot even though it was far more accurate and effective for him because it just looked weird. Uh, he was he was more interested in just, you know, chopping birds and looking good, really, and he was happy with the <laughs> points. So, that you, you know, if you do better with the weird technique, is that really much better? You know, what is cricket about? It's a great existential question. Mm. That's the that's the that's the spectrum where you at where you at and, yeah. and you know, Wilt was obviously 
nailing it on a number of fronts there. Um, <laughs> and, you know, if you're, missing, if you're missing half a dozen free throws but still scoring 100 points, then no stress. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sort of and I certainly feel that granny shot, that's a, that's a, I mean, that's a simplification of the game, isn't it, mm. that works? Yeah. Whereas I feel like, so it's, that's like, I don't know what a cricketing example would be, mm. but I, I feel like I've almost, I mean, uh, the, my reasons behind it, which I certainly can't be bothered going into, <laughs> simplify for me. Yeah. But it's not simple, is it? I mean, it's not. It's, and I, and and now the worst thing is I get these pictures from my mates and coaches around Tassie of these poor little eight and nine year old boys <laughs> who are trying to face up the training <laughs> <laughs> with their legs the wrong way around, their backside of the bowl, and I just think like, yeah, yeah, don't worry about the cricket, like. You're going to get ridicule. This will cost you. I, I just the, the the social cost of uh, of what you're doing. Uh, and, and you know, how do you explain that to an eight eight year old? George, I mean, the whole point of cricket, as we all know, is looking good, and that is literally the opposite of looking good. Like, I, I, I presume most listeners would know what you're talking about, but it's essentially like your back, most of your back is facing the bowler, and you're sort of looking over your left hand shoulder. I mean, you don't need to come about, uh, I don't want you to answer this question by telling me, you know, the, the ins and outs of um, why that technique is working, but I mean, can you just give us a reason as to how that even started? Like how that it was even a thought process that that came into your mind that basically facing the wrong way was going to work for you? I think it was just, I think it was just when you're on a, a bit of a good thing. I think I started um, side on or just a little bit closed off in, in the hope mm-hmm. in what because it was keeping me more side on. You know, I was getting into a really stable position, hitting the ball harder. So they're good things. And then um, that worked for a little bit, and then I got out a couple of times, and then I thought, maybe I'm not side on enough. So I just went a little bit further, and then that worked again for a little bit. And then, so, I, I mean, the evolution of it, I think, means that in about, if I played for another three years, I'll just be left-handed. <laughs> Well, as we know, batting left-handed is cheating, and Brabham would have averaged 472 if he was left-handed. Um, so, George, you are playing for the Hurricanes at the moment, and you guys are third in the ladder. You guys have played your allotted games. There's a couple of games left uh, for the Melbourne Renegades, especially, I think, one more game for the Sixers. So you guys do hold the final spot at the moment. I mean, what sort of uh, chances are you, are you giving yourself to play in the finals of the Big Bash this year? Well, we've got one more. We've got the Stars on Saturday. So I think one more, if, we, sorry. if we win that, I think we're, we're a lock. Um, I yep. think we're in, um, and then if we don't, yeah, I think that you'd, then it becomes all about the mathematical equations. But I sort of, I mean, I've sort of tried to spruik it to our team that I feel like if we win, I, I mean, I, I feel like we have been one of the better teams um, throughout the competition. Um, mm-hmm. Having said that, I think if we lose this this game and we end up five and five, then um, you know I don't think we've got any complaints if we happen to miss out. So destiny in our own hands um, which is a bit of a funny one in T20 because you talk I think if you you get a bit of a feel over a season about teams that are, are good or not so good um, but T20 I always reckon even if you're the best team you, you only ever get to about a 60% you know chance of being definite winners it's never mm. it's never such a mm. a black and white sort of um, thing with favouritism and I get mm. that feeling when you look at the stars Maxi's hit form and um, beware, beware the wounded animal a little bit. They haven't really had much of a run, and um, 
Kevin Peters' last game. You're just a bit worried about what they might um, what they might bring to the table. So we'll have to be at our, our best, and if we are, then I think we can do a bit of damage in the finals, actually. Mm. Mate, can, you, can you talk about um, Jofra Archer just just for a moment, just because um, he, he's sort of um, he's he's blown some batsmen away this tournament with his pace uh, as much as anything else. You know, um, a lot of people know that he's a West Indian guy and he's trying to. Um, qualified to play for England uh, down the track. I mean, you must be facing him in the nets. I mean, what's he like in the nets? Because some of the skills he's displaying at that sort of pace is actually quite frightening for, for like a you know an Australian point of view down the line if he does uh, qualify eventually to play for England. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, first up, I don't bat in the nets at all uh, anymore because it's just, I face a bit of spin, but they're too fast. Everyone's too fast. That's, uh, I certainly don't do that. Um, but he looks. I mean, he's put he's put a lot of our boys on their backsides. Um, yeah. In there. I mean, it's and just chatting to everyone who's faced him. I faced him a little bit in England, but he's that that ambled, relaxed run up. Mm. It's just so hard to trick your or get ready for then what eventually comes out of the hand. Um, mm. And just the the velocity and the and the bounce. I think that's a, it. Australia almost suits him better than England in many many respects and he's got a pretty good record in England too but um, mm-hmm. yeah, I think he, the bounce that he generates here along with his speed has been phenomenal um, and I, I mean I don't, I don't I certainly didn't know that he was as skilled at nailing his Yorker mm-hmm. as he has mm-hmm. been uh, and just I mean in typical West Indies fashion just a very relaxed guy just <laughs> you know you spend you spend all that time planning and setting fields and right this is what we can do this fellow and this fellow and then it you get to the top of the mark, nine nine runs to win or something in the last over. You can hardly hear each other speak over the crowd. I can't understand Joff. He can't understand me. And then he grabs you by the shoulder and says, Skipper, set whatever field you want, mate. <laughs> and that's just, that, 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 that confidence that you're just going to nail your York and nail your bouncer and, uh, and wander off the ground as a winner. That's a great insight, George. Just before we get to the throwdown section where it will um, degenerate into stupidity, uh, I was hoping that you could tell us a little bit about what Tasmania means to you from a cricketing standpoint, mate. I mean, you know, for two guys from Sydney, we always look at Tassie and and think, you know, what a like everyone who's who goes to Tassie to play seems to only have good things to say about their time there. You know, there's obviously been some legends who've played down there you're obviously one of them and, and will go down as one I mean what is it about Tassie that it, that's so enjoyable for cricketers um, well first and foremost there's not a great else there's not a great deal else to do so <laughs> uh, you know I feel like <laughs> when the option of an extra extra training session comes up it's not like well geez the weather's so good oh, I was going to go to the beach no <laughs> um, you know oh, we're going to go and see what's the name play you know a concert or no yeah. that's fine so I'm just going to have an extra training session I'll pick you up how far last 10 minutes yeah 10 minutes I can do that so I mean that, that proximity and ease of um, getting everyone together I think plays a part certainly for the guys who have um, who have moved from interstate um, I, I hope that they would feel like it's easy for them to catch up with people um, to, to build a sort of circle of friends whereas perhaps and I've never lived in Melbourne or Sydney but if you move there um come the end of training everyone sort of heads in their own directions and, and heads home well, the, the proximity that we have to each other and, and probably more importantly for your girlfriends and wives and things to be able to have a circle of friends that keeps everyone pretty pretty happy mm-hmm. um, yeah I mean it's an interesting one we, we had 
building up in my first years and then um, up until a number of, well, three or four years ago, we had a great deal of success and then it it fell away um, a lot quicker than we certainly would have hoped. I felt like we'd built up some pretty good cultural and um, tr- cricket-specific um, currency and, and we I feel like we lost that pretty quickly. So certainly, I mean, I don't have too long left in the game, but um, I'd like to like to get Tassie back to to the stage where we're um, we're competitive day in day out because mm. they were certainly very enjoyable years. Mm. Mm. Um, George, we'll move on to after a little bit of earnest cricket chat. We'll move on to the throwdown section. Basically, we ask you uh, stupid questions. The humour's wrapped up in the question. If you find it funny, good. Um, give us your answer by all means, um, or, or pass on it if um, if if it's ridiculous. So, um, can I start? Please, yeah. Okay. Um, George, you've got, according to Wikipedia anyway, uh, which is often wrong, you've got tertiary <laughs> qualifications in business. You're currently studying an MBA. You, you, uh, this is relevant anyway. You, you captained the ODI side uh, in 2012 and offered comment about Channel 9's negativity toward the ODI uh, you know, side at that time, saying it was largely about TV rights. You know, that's why they were talking it down. And Channel 9, as you know, Channel 9's executive director of cricket, Brad McNamara, said this was rubbish, that George should stick to playing cricket and leave the television rights to people who know what they're talking about, that you need to understand where your money's <laughs> coming from. And without the TV rights deal, you were probably working in a coal mine or flipping burgers at McDonald's. So I guess my question is, I, I take it you're more of an ABC grandstand man these days. Well, the thing that cut to the bone with that statement was I'd been playing professional cricket for about 10 years at that stage. I, I just reckon I would have progressed to at least being on the drive-thru. I don't reckon I could have been <laughs> and And, you know, some people might say, oh, you're a bit full of yourself. It's, you know, it's a little bit more difficult than that. But I don't know. I just feel like I, feel like I, would, have, I, would, have, I would have gone somewhere. Um, George, on the 25th of August 2014, um, the great cricketer tweeted, and I quote, George Bailey seems like the kind of bloke who'd not only help you move, but show up early with extra boxes he had lying around the house. Um, That tweet copped 147 retweets and 612 likes. Can you help me move this weekend? (laughs) (laughs) It's the the worst job in the world, isn't it, moving here? (laughs) There's a sausage and a beer at the end of it, mate. No worries. Um, more Twitter stuff here, George. Um, I don't know if you caught this. You were, you were telling us off air that you, you're considering getting on Twitter, but you're not yet. So I just wanted to run this by you. Uh, I'm sure it made its way to you. Someone you might have heard of called Shane Warne wrote uh, last week, and I quote, um, Why would George Bailey stand in such a ridiculous way and complicate batting? I'm all for individuals doing their thing, but this is horrific to watch. M. War was one of the best ever cricketers to watch uh, to watch do any facet of the game, bat, bowl, or field. Keep it simple. Um, so, George, my question to you is, why can't you just be more like M. War? <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. I'd like to be. I sort of feel like we, we could be um, just in parallel universe. So, Junior was lovely to watch on the cricket field, but putrid mm. to listen to when he's commentated. So I'm hoping <laughs> my on the cricket field might proceed being reasonable in a commentary box at some stage <laughs> in my, of my life. 
that sounds like a come get me with probably not Channel Nine, but um, anyway, I'll carry on. Um, George, obviously, you won the Ashes in 2013. Famously, I'm sure you remember that. Um, and at the Gabba, it was reported that James Anderson, in the lead up to the whole um, get ready for a broken arm thing, that um, uh, that Jimmy Anderson threatened to punch you. So I just want to know which one of your sixes in the 28, 28 runs off his over in Perth, which was uh, was your favourite. <laughs> The first one, I think, because it doubled my aggregate of runs in the uh, series for that stage. Very good. Um, sometimes I had a very funny conversation with Kevin Peterson in that in that in that test. He, I feel, he looked at me and said, "You're grinning. You're always grinning. You why are you grinning? Why are you grinning?" Uh, and I said, I'm just, I'm just having a, a really good time, Kevin. You know, we've won the first couple of tests. So, you know, this is the third one. I think we're going to win this one, and things are going pretty well. And he said, Yes, but you are not going very well. And I do not think, he said, George, I, I do not think that you will play many tests. And I said, I tend to agree with you, mate. But so I'm going to enjoy every one that I, every one that I do because I don't think this is going to last long. <laughs> It's uh, great. Um, sometimes, George, we, we go to other players, so people that we've um, contacted over time and, and ask them for some background on future guests. And I've been asked to query with you a habit you have of calling everybody by the wrong name in, in what has been described as an ultimate alpha move. So um, a particular example of um, poor Gary Putland, uh, who, who's often called Langy um, by you. Can you just run us through this? Is this a deliberate tactic to alpha people or um, are you spacey? No, and, and he's just one of a, a long, a long list of, of uh, of first class cricketers, but oh, it's it's and I I'm one of my I'm so worried about what people think of me too. And Ed, I'm sure Ed's told that Ed Cowan thinks it's the funniest thing he's ever seen, and I just then stress about it for about a week later. Um, <laughs> oh, and I, yeah, and I've always been one of those. I hate. I hate not knowing someone's name or when you know that you're supposed to and, oh, should I just go with a mate or... And then you get that confidence. No, I'm going to have a crack here. I'm going to go with his name. <laughs> and, oh, you just... You just fan tonight, you're way off. Uh, all right, Bales, it's... Uh, here goes here, mate. I um, just want to ask you... Um, <laughs> just want to ask you... There's, there's actually some viral footage that goes down on, on the old YouTubes um, of you after the, the, the Ashes winning series in Perth, the aforementioned series, and it's you in the dressing room. Mark Taylor's in there, I think, interview, interviewing some players. And you're just, like, popping bottles open for the boys, just, like, cracking beers. And I just want to know how many times you've actually watched that footage because I've seen it about 25 <laughs> times. Um, I don't think I have. What, what am I doing? It's, yeah. it, you're like you're basically opening beers with other beers so like you're using like one beer to open up another beer no opener um, I'm not sure what the yeah, beer of choice you. was doing but it, you were just passing them around for the lads it was just like absolutely alpha mm. that, that is um, the one thing I learned from my you know you got to broaden your horizons my uh, year <laughs> playing cricket in Holland you buy your you buy your your 24 beers in the mm. um, in a you know, plastic sort of carry tray at the supermarket yeah. there, um, and <laughs> you if you if you return your beer, if you return your twenty four bottles, you basically get about half your cash back. So for some reason, I don't know why it is, but it's a very Dutch thing that if you use one of the beers mm. to um to open the other twenty three. That's just that's mm. how it uh, that's how it goes. So it's been a 
Yeah, it's been a handy handy part of trick that day. If, <laughs> if, we, if we get around to this moving house thing, yeah. I'll do a couple of those. Yeah. What a dream boat, alpha and cultured and a recycler. Um, George, this is a last one from me. Uh, this request to ask this question did not come from Ed Cowan, I should say. It was from someone else. But it was simply just to ask you about an incident with the World Cup trophy in the celebrations. That was it. Just ask him about the World Cup trophy. Yeah. Yeah, it was um, very early. Um, in, in, and I'd been sitting on the, the trophy for most of the evening. Um and it felt sturdy. It was a, I mean, it's a, it's a good trophy. Um, and someone just remarked that it, you, you know, I'm not sure sitting on it was a particularly good idea in case it broke. And I just, I was standing at the time and I just said, um, nah, look, it's strong as anything. And a donkey kicked it and it just snapped, <laughs> snapped in two. And we had the, we had the civic reception at Fed Square about, uh, Oh, four hours later, maybe. I reckon it was about 6.30, and I think that we had to be at Fed Square with the World Cup at 11. So never save it up so quickly, frantically <laughs> going through the yellow pages looking for uh, a welder um, to get this thing back together. So so I'm, I'm heading around Melbourne trying to get this thing fixed, um, and it gets fixed, but it's pretty it's, – it's not in it. In its, you know, it's not in A1 condition. So <laughs> I get back to the hotel – quickly get changed, take the World Cup into the team room and say, lads, it's back in one piece, but look, the rule is today, we've got to, if you're going to pick it up, pick it up using both handles, um, you know, preferably two people holding it at all times if we can. Everyone says, yeah, no worries. I didn't know Pup wasn't in the room. He walked in five minutes later, picked it up one-handed and the whole thing just fell apart again. <laughs> to which our me- our me- so I th- I'm thinking, oh, this is a disaster. And our media manager says, that's okay, we'll just use the replica. So uh, I spent <laughs> four hours, which was valuable sleeping time. That could have been, I needed that sleep. Uh, trying to, uh, and I've still got, I've actually still got one of the uh, the screws. I've got one of the World Cup screws. And so my two World Cup mementos are the, the orange 12th man vest and uh, one of the screws out of the trophy uh, when I very broke good. <laughs> All right, George, I, we'll, we'll sign off with this one. But um, obviously your your one-day career, which we haven't touched on, unfortunately, which is decorated and, um, and, and seriously impressive um, over the years, averaging 40, I think, in, in ODI cricket. But... Um, <clears throat> Uh, famously, you hit 156 in India, in Nagpur, I think it was, uh, and the side managed to go on and actually lose the game. Therefore, you completed the greatest feeling in cricket, scoring 100 in the losing side. And, and you were also captain um, of that game. And I just want to know how smug you were to the boys when you gave the captain's talk after the match. And what did you say? <laughs> um. <laughs> uh. So I love this. I love this because we, we've all been there. And I think this is very pertinent for grey cricket, isn't it? It's, <laughs> yes. If you can't be smug then, when when can you be? So I, I, I sat them down and I think it was probably the turning point for someone like um, Shane Watson. I really feel like I turned his career around that night because I just basically said to the lads, why can't you all just bat a bit more like me? <laughs> um, That's all we wanted. Um, yeah. <laughs> Little did they know that I was going to change my technique and start facing um, the bowler with my ass. But um, luckily, I've stopped stopped batting like me. No, it was, that was an extraordinary series, wasn't it? Runs galore. Yeah. 
They should, yeah. should, should be some sort of um, everything should have been divided by about seven. I reckon that series. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. George, we, we have overstayed our initially stated welcome with you in this chat. Um, I hope you see it as a factor of how much we've enjoyed it. Uh, we hope you have too, and um, it's you've you've definitely lived up to our anticipation for having you on. Uh, we apologise that we didn't have you on first. Um, Ed Cowan is very sensitive about remaining the number one guest on the grade cricketer. Hello, Ed, if you're listening. Um, and so he will remain that. Don't worry, Ed. But um, we've really enjoyed having you on, mate, and I uh, hope you have too. I absolutely have. I'm gonna. I'm actually going to download a few episodes now, I think, and have a listen yeah. to you, lads. Good man. <laughs> Good luck for the season, mate. We'll catch you soon. Beautiful. Thanks very much. We grade cricketers work hard. Everything has to be hard at all times. Work hard. Circuit hard. Just be hard. Never smart. Always hard. The voices you've heard before were, of course, Vish, our wonderful journalist Vish from the UK, Mitchell Marsh and George Bailey, who are all now friends of the show. And, of course, famously, another friend of the show, Dave Edwards, has uh, stepped away from the mic uh, that's why he was not present for George's interview because we're recording this on two separate days. Such is the requirements of this podcast and our commitment to it and to you, the listener. But it is that time of the week, just for one final time of this Australian summer before we take a little hiatus, and it's Ask TGC. I always say it's our favourite time of the week, and um, you know when we answer the questions, Pez, I, mm. I do enjoy this time of the week. But you know, cycling through some of like the the literal dozens and dozens and possibly even hundreds upon some weeks of rubbish questions that are borderline <laughs> offensive. Uh, that's my least favourite time. But when we get to the good ones, mm. or the ones that I pick out anyway, that uh, I reckon they're all right. So um, are you ready to answer some some fan questions, Sam Perry? I, I am. It's a, real, it's a real way to treat the fans as well, I suppose, um, as we have done every week, which, which is to say most of the things you submit are shit. Um, but um, but those that come through that are gold, thank you very, very much. And the, to those who have treated us, TGC, as really a short story competition, uh, we thank yep. you for that as well. It's given us a lot of entertainment. Um, and if I, could, if I could speak earnestly, no, thank you to everyone who has submitted questions. Uh, some of them are shit. Okay. <laughs> okay, here we go. We've got five good ones here, and I've got to, I've got to preface this with uh, there's one final question which is going to wrap up this year's show, uh, and uh, it, it's just a bumper. Anyway, so Liam Blackwell is going to start us off, and he says, The Mercury topped 42 degrees today, and the coach said that training was still on. It left me with, with facing a tough decision, Pez. Do mm. I wear long-sleeve playing top to be sun-smart and hide my lack of pipes and risk being labelled rare, or do I wear my training singlet and risk being outward for my lack of pipes? His ultimate question is here, what is worse, being labelled rare or being outward? That's a wicked question, he goes. Don't they call that a wicked question in philosophy? I'm not quite <laughs> sure if... There is a right answer to this. I'm really hesitant mm. to say which is worse, being outfit mm. or being called rare. Uh, mm. Like, okay, put it this way. It's possible to succeed in cricket by being rare. You have mm-hmm. to be very, very good and you have to overcompensate with results. Like, it's okay mm-hmm. to be the rare bloke if you do well. I'm not sure you've got much of a career in cricket if you regularly <laughs> outfit, though. There is, there's no one playing for Australia who is regularly Alfred, right? You may have had the odd experience yeah. here and there, but if you're someone who is open to being Alfred, then um, 
and all the time, then you know you're not going to be hanging around the game very long. I, I, you know, I'm going to hide under the table now that I've said that. <laughs> <laughs> I like the notion that you can always preface something with, oh, you know, good bloke, but you know, so. Mm. I'm trying to think of an example like, oh, he cheats on his wife eight days a week. Good bloke, but, you know, and, and the same way that you can say, you know, fucking, he's a rare unit. Tell you what, smashes him, but, you know, mm. so you can, and always finish it with but, you know, yes. it's, 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 it's never though, it's always but, because it doesn't make any <laughs> grammatical or English sense um, in, any, in any capacity, shape or form. So I, I, I agree with you, because uh, you can't just be like, oh, he's fucking, he's, this bloke's weak. He, I, that's out for him. Yeah. Oh, he's good at cricket, though. That, no, no one's ever saying that. So yeah. I think we, the, yeah. the skerrick of hope with Liam here... Was it Liam who asked the question? Yeah, yeah, Liam Blackwell asked the question. Yeah, so I think being labelled rare is better. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's probably 20 years of great cricket, social and political, you know, grizzled experience between us, he goes. And mm. through that, I've learned, I don't know about you... But I've learned not to wear a training singlet unless you're sure you can pull it off. <laughs> you, you know, I, I've learned that yeah, through failures. Yeah. You know, some might say learnings. You know, failure yeah. is just a faster road to learning. No, not really. They're just failures. They're just it's just <laughs> failure, and I wish it hadn't happened. But uh, I'm passing that on. <laughs> Don't wear okay. it unless you got uh, pipes. Seriously. Okay, there you go, Liam. Don't wear it unless you've got pipes. Uh, always be labelled rare as opposed to being Alfred. Tom Hartney uses the hashtag AskTGC and said, given the rise of men taking greater care of their appearance outside of regular rig work, should we expect to see a rise in salad-based selections rather than simply rig and social capital-based? Uh, yeah, def- definitely. It's a, good, it's a good observation, Tom. I mean, look at Tim Payne. We've, mm-hmm. all, we've all been scratching our heads, haven't we, about how Tim Payne was selected. It, it made no sense. He'd done nothing in mm. Shield cricket. <laughs> He'd done nothing otherwise. Uh, he, his finger didn't work for nine years. Uh, we hadn't seen him. Uh, but then you looked around the Australian side. You looked at Nathan Lyon, for example, and what was going on with his salad. You looked at the general state of the attractiveness of the Australian cricket team. Consider that Mitch Marsh was brought back into the team, a guy who's literally nicknamed Bison, who has every alpha uh, characteristic possible. <laughs> And, and, he, and he's wonderful looking. Look at the rise of Marcus Stoinis. You know, there are things, mm. there are patterns at play here. And, and I think Payne is part of that. There's, you know, Australia, you know, Donald Trump is making America great again and Australia is making salads great again. Really conclusive and thorough answer. I, I, I see some salad situations going on across the country, Sam. Um, and, you know, here I am as a 31-year-old man saying that sentence. I'm just looking at Nick Madison's, you know, choice of salad you know that he's chose to reveal in the big bash i'm not sure if he's seen i'm not sure if it's crossed yeah, uh, the pacific I mean. ocean it's it's just i mean he's always actually a bit of a rare unit i mean he's you know fucking smashes it but um but, but, but <laughs> Such he's a got this, uh, i think anyone who anyone's got the internet should just google image like his his most recent salad and i'm not sure if he's being selected ever again on the basis of this salad choice you know even though he smashes it but so um, are there going to be salad-based selections? I think it's just a bold move by Nick Maddinson saying, come and get me. I know this isn't Tom's question necessarily, but yeah. you know, he, he did raise the point about salads. And I think salads are playing a bigger and bigger you know, part of the game. Alan Border, you know, that era of just short back and sides, private school, you know, military mm. square buzz cuts, mm. uh, you know, it wouldn't, have, wouldn't have stood for this. Wouldn't have stood mm. for this. But this is a new age, new era. You know, we've had captains, i.e. Michael Clark, with visible sleeve tattoos. Mm. Um, 
you know, driving fast cars, model girlfriends, etc. You know, this is the new age. So salads are the way forward, perhaps instead of the rig. You said it best. Okay. Uh, Trent Milray says, uh, using the hashtag ICGC, after a few good years as a pace bowler playing local park cricket, a lot of wickets and encouragement from Dad has, con- has convinced me to step up to grade cricket this year. That's huge. Dad's a bit of a local cricket legend and still wants to play to this day, racking up about 600 runs in park cricket last year. He mm. has spent a lot of time with me in the nets over the years, and I know he is proud of me. But here's the kicker. My dramatic improvement in bowling over the past year or so has been due to a change in action involving a seriously bent elbow. Dad has never mentioned it, but I've been pulled up a few times during matches now, and the blokes at training have talked to me about it too. It's become a contentious issue within the grade community, and the sledging is relentless. My question to TGC, do I continue to make my dad proud by ignoring the sledging from opposition and some teammates and continue taking wickets as a chucker or do I let dad do or do I let dad down by reverting back to my relatively unsuccessful yet legal action and resign myself to being the pretty average third grade park cricketer that I actually am cheers Sam should Trent keep chucking him well the first thing I want to point out is that we live in the Trump era and Every answer in the Trump in the Trump era, a few rules uh, kind of abide. One is that sure. do what it takes uh, to yeah. to get you know to get success. I mean, this is the leader of the free world. This this person is the is the best person we can spit out to to have the most power to lead, um, you know, to, to lead Western society at least. And mm. his values are to do what it takes, cut yourself a deal, make sure that you get whatever you need to do over the line. And so in the Trump era, I would say to Trent, by all means, keep chucking because the end goal with everything in cricket, let's be, let's face it, he goes, the end goal with cricket mm. is to get dad's love. Why else are we playing? <laughs> you could, you could say, I mean, we just talked to Mitch Marsh, who essentially answered through the prism of his dad with everything that we asked him. Was dad here? Was he, was, he, was he watching? What about the time when dad left when I was batting with my brother Sean? Cricket is about dad pride. And if it takes a bit of chucking to get that, then by all means keep doing it. Do not stop um, yeah. because dad's love's too important. Mate, that's just so spot on. I don't care if Trent's pitching it. I don't care if he's standing at the crease, no run-up, and he's throwing him down. He's bowling off-cutters, he's bowling leg-cutters, you know, he's, he's split-finger pitches. I don't care. Like, he's, he's said that his dad's proud of him. Hey, congratulations. Fuck, that's like, better than any first-grade cap. I'll tell you that for if free. Trent could, if Trent could see our DMs and just asking how many... Like, you look at the questions that we get, how many times people are just like, how do I get my dad to love me? How do I get my dad to stop offering me? Trent's yeah. got this mate. I'm not really sure yeah. why he's still playing. Like, he's, he's got it. I guess he, now he has to play forever, given that his dad's a local cricket legend and he's, you know, he's still playing himself. So, like, he has to keep playing until... Um, you know, someone's knees stop working, basically. But like, I mean, Trent, never go back to you know some sort of legal action. Okay, Man, okay, he as goes. Much as you want. Sorry, yeah. sorry to interrupt you. He goes. Uh, like, can I go just on. submit off the top of my head and ask TGC to you ba- on the back of this? Yes. Okay. Uh, hashtag ask TGC. Uh, g'day, guys. Love, love you. Love your show. Is got this the book. Be about, is this, this going to be eight thousand words? Yeah. Got, yeah. I've got a short story <laughs> entry. No. Um, okay. He goes hypothetical. Would you prefer okay. to play five tests for Australia, but your dad never comes nor knows about it, though you still have a relationship, or play play like one hundred first grade matches, and your dad comes to everyone and tells you that he really appreciates the hard work you put in and the skill that you put into the game. Well, this is just the ultimate ultimatum. Um, 
It's an easy answer. It's 100 first grade games because what's the point? <laughs> Isn't it? I'm just trying to justify it to the listeners, but it's mm. an easy answer. It's the 100 mm. first grade games. Yeah. Imagine your dad saying he's proud of you. Okay, next question. Uh, Andrew Cameron says, G'day, guys. I'm an Australian living in Shanghai. I really enjoyed this question. Mm. I, it, it came in late, but I really mm. enjoyed it. Mm. I'm an Australian living in Shanghai. Sliding this into Facebook Messenger as the firewall makes it too annoying for Twitter or Instagram. I'm a big fan of the page and the podcast and even scored tea and no sympathy for Christmas on my recent end-of-year trip back to Sydney. Good. Now that I'm back in sub-zero Shanghai... I've been going to the coffee shop across the road from my apartment each day before work, even though it costs the equivalent of five bucks for every average, for a very average coffee. I've been going there a while now, so the girl behind the counter knows uh, I can speak some Chinese and often has a chat with me if she's not busy. This morning, while handing over my coffee, she remarked in a complimentary tone about how thick my hands were. This is not something I've ever been told. However, if I've learned anything from TJC, it's that big hands, along with big pipes, good rig, and good salad, pipes and rig average for me with no salad to speak of, are the sort of equalities every girl is looking for. My question, therefore, is... Does her complimenting the size of my hands mean she has a crush on me? And if so, how much of a discount should I aim for on my Lex Latte? Cheers, Camo. Mm. Um, big hands. I don't know. He goes uh, like <laughs> my my hands are fairly slender and thin, so I can't empathise mm. with this a lot. No salad, <laughs> slim hands. Uh, go mm. figure, hey. But um, thanks God and Dad. But also he goes. So he goes. Have your hands look all right? Any any thoughts? <laughs> Well, Camo, Andrew Cameron from Shanghai has said that he's got no salad to speak of. So you've got yeah. um, oh, something there, some yeah. similarities there. Well, at least he's got uh, something. But it's interesting that he's got thick hands. I haven't heard of <laughs> thick hands before. I've heard of big hands. The importance of big hands can't be underestimated. You can alpha any handshake. You're going to mm. dominate every businessman you've ever been to, every crushing victory against an opposition where they give you like the wet fish handshake with no eye contact. You can mm. just fucking slide right into those fingers, mm. you know, right into the, into the mitts of their palms and alpha them through a handshake. You know, big hands just equals, obviously equals huge dick is what this comes down to essentially. <laughs> Fuck, look how, look how big his hands are. Good. I mean, that's what... That's what people think, isn't it? Really? I mean, you can yeah. say that you can, you know, he's got big buckets, big buckets on this bloke. He never drops them, but that's yeah. what we're all getting to. So Camo's yeah. got that going for him. But thick hands, thick yeah. hands, Sam. I think thick is good. <laughs> I, I, I think <laughs> I think thick's really good. I think thick's as good as big. Like I, I don't even think length is really the issue here. Like long and slender is not as good as sort of short and thick when it comes to hands. It's a it's a masculine thing. It's it's a it's a it's a sense. It's a sense of your like of your general thickness. Um, you know, body you, like oh, we're really ending on a high here, aren't we? Did, did you? Um, this is it. This is how it ends. Um, did you ever know a guy who batted with a with a long handle? Oh, I yeah. Like, like I can't think of one off the top of my head, but I'm familiar with the concept of people doing that. Yeah, the long handle. Yeah, like, I mean, how big do you have, how tall do you have to be to actually use a long handle? Like, I mean, because mm. I, I mean, I'm 6'1", and it never occurred to me that I ever needed that sort of thing. Like, you need to be like 6'6", six, six, like, what, what's the, I mean, it's just a really odd thing to have, like, you, you to be so tall that you need a bigger handle to hit the yeah. ball. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it might just be a case of wanting to look like you've got big hands. The thing is, if you use a long handle and you have normal-sized hands, your hands will look particularly small. <laughs> Can we move on? All right, so let's let's answer let's answer Andrew's question though. Like, I mean, is does this mean that the girl has a crush on him? Yeah, seriously. Yeah. If a girl, yeah. co- I mean, I'm married by the way, and I love my wife dearly. Hello, Tori, in the other room, <laughs> um, protective privacy. But um, 
If I was in a coffee shop and a girl said to me, you have really thick hands, I'd be like, yeah. fantastic, yeah. fantastic. My place I mean, or yours. Uh, it's yeah. funny that he's immediately gone to sort of a financial gain from that, though. I'm not sure. I, I think it's like the, we're operating in the realm of physicality. Like, we're, we're physically complimenting each other. We're not looking at... You know, clearly this is a great cricketer who's gone to Shanghai for financial purposes. I mean, I don't... Yeah. Uh, and Andrew, I don't think she she's probably able to give you a discounted coffee, but she's really yeah. blown up your ego. So just think of it I in that way. I don't think she has... I don't think she has the authority to give you, you know, all of a sudden the equivalent of $2.50 coffees you know lattes i don't think she has that authority i don't think she has the you know the the, uh the leave pass to do Mm. that anyway all right oh yes andrew yes she's hitting on you she wants your big thick hands i hope you're having a nice time in shanghai i don't know how to finish that all right this is the last question of the big one tgc season and it's a big one it's a short um, story it's a short story it's it's one of the better ones I've heard. So um, bear with me, listener, and, uh, and settle in for the ride. Andrew Curtis has written in uh, on the Twitter machine, slid into the DMs, and he said, Dear grade cricketer. You can tell it's long, thank- he goes, when the start is like a formal letter. Not hashtag yes. RTGC. It's dear grade cricketer, yeah. comma, yeah. and then <laughs> new paragraph. Like beautifully yeah, spaced. Exactly. Yeah, it's a lot of time's been spent on this, so it's worthy. All right, okay. here we go. Dear Let's grade go. cricketer, thank you for getting me through a long, cold, dark winter in England. The sooner I can find a justifiable reason to escape the sunnier climates in Australia, the better, particularly if it brings me closer to the grade cricket scene you you hold in such high esteem and talk of so endearingly. I'm actually getting in touch because I want you to decide the fate of my cricketing career. I'm a washed-up, mediocre cricketer, having had a dalliance with minor counties cricket in the UK and a one-off debut in first grade when the coach took pity on me for the last game of the season. I now work in market research in the alcohol industry, essentially spending my Monday to Friday analysing how much I'm going to spend on my weekend circuit. Last summer, I evaded playing cricket under the guise that on moving to London, I would need time to settle in, establish my social circle and choose the best club. However, a year has passed and that is no longer a legitimate excuse. I'm an opening bat who used to bowl occasional left-arm spin. I use the term used to because I've been left irreversibly scarred with a cricketing equivalent of PTSD by my last experience. We had posted a highly respectable 230 in an early season encounter and thought we were at least 30 above par. The opposition overseas, name drop Glenn Phillips, Kiwi T20 wicketkeeper, was taking the game away from us and the skipper was looking around for someone to stand up and be counted. So I did. And you can count the number of balls lost too. First ball... A little, a little nervous, bowling slow left arm, I fired down the leg side. The keeper misses it and it goes for five wides. The next four balls, yes, four, are all lost. Glenn has taken a liking to my bowling and dispatched all four of them over the 30-foot-high fence designed to keep balls out of the one million pound mansions that back onto the ground. Alas, at this point, we'd actually run out of spare balls, so having gone for 29 off the first four legal de- deliveries, I, t- I think Glenn took pity on me and patted the next two back. We lost the match. Needless to say, though, I will not be bowling ever again. So my question is this. Do I play cricket again? On the one hand, it allows me to socialise with people who will also enjoy discussing the frailties of England's middle order over a pint at 2am. On the other hand, many more uh, lonely weekends of deep square leg to cover beckon whilst I ask myself, is the only reason I'm still playing this because it forces me to delay 
opening my first beer until after the match is finished. Is the £15 match fee going to be a constant reminder that, yes, I'm having to pay for that horrendous 20-ball five I just ground out? Oh. Do I really want some Surrey, Surrey Academy nuffy <laughs> flinging down rockets on my head when I've had six pints the night before because the forecast said 75, 70% chance of rain? Do I really want to celebrate winning with my new teammates when I drop a, when I dropped the catch, got my first start of the season before being run out for 20, and really it feels like another small piece of me has died? Do I do I really think that one one hundred is worth it when I know that I'll get to the office on Monday and be struck by the total and utter futility of futility of it all, and that the number of one hundred holds absolutely zero significance to anyone not first in the logic of this great game? Well, probably not, but great game. It's it is so. Perhaps I will uh, I should give it one last go? Question mark. Um, to conclude. I think it's a pretty damning condemnation of my total loss of love for the game that having this read out would ultimately far exceed any turgid early season 30s I could grind out for a new club. Admittedly, on the circuit, it was worth 90 because the pitch was green seeming and it's five degrees, but nobody cares. And that's not why it says on my, on my cricket. Hashtag AskTGC. All right, Pez. Um, Andrew Curtis. We're going to decide his cricketing future. He's essentially asking, should I play again? Um, I really enjoyed that story, and I, I probably didn't do it justice reading because um, it's hard to read that much out loud um, in small font on a computer. But um, <laughs> just giving unnecessary excuses. But um, <laughs> because it's hard. Um, yeah, because I can. Um, so should he play again? Keep in mind, his you know his last game, he got bombed by uh, a Kiwi T20 wicketkeeper, mm. Glenn Phillips. Mm. Uh, you know, he, he's a guy who's who's obviously done well. He's played some minor counties. That is for anybody uh, who doesn't know the English system. That's a, that's a very respectable and good level of cricket. Um, so to that end, Pez, you know, he's laid it all out before us. I mean, should he play? Well. It's just a fantastic submission here, goes. A great choice from you. Really well written. And, like, I really listen to this carefully because I can identify with it quite a lot. Someone who is ordinarily a batsman who used to bowl spin, who is ultimately scarred mm. by the experience. You've just been hit too many times. I'm, I feel like I'm actually in a similar position in my cricket journey. Like, right. I was done with the game a couple of years ago after grade cricket, but I... Enjoyed mm. a few games. I'm sorry to bring this to myself, but I enjoyed a few mm. games in England this year. And really, the question that's in my head, and I feel this uh, hearing, uh, reading, listening to what Andrew said here, or what Andrew writes here, is that he needs to reconcile his relationship to the game. Um, I'm a bit concerned that he, when he thinks about what the game means to him, he goes through all the things that are bad about it, and he wonders if he should give it one last go. Uh, that infers mm. that giving it a last go might mean that he'll have a reversal in those fortunes. Andrew, you won't have a reversal in those fortunes. That will happen. That happens every year. It does not change. Any change is minor. It's it's a it's mm. a it operates on a spectrum that just just tilts here and there a little bit, but ultimately. Mm. Cricket is deep square leg to cover for the majority. It's five off 20 for the majority. Even the best players say that. So you need to ask yourself if that's what you want. <laughs> like if you can find some deeper meaning to it, some aspect of it in your life where it gives you a fulfillment or a satisfaction that goes beyond what you see on the scorecard. And I think that goes to all of us. It's an appropriate one to finish with. You know, what is your relationship to the game? What is it about? 
ultimately, from my understanding, my sociological views of cricket, the people who enjoy cricket the most are the ones who enjoy everything around it. They enjoy the lying. They enjoy the beers. They enjoy the masquerading and the macho horseplay. That's really what it's about. Anything that happens on the pitch doesn't really matter because it's going to be shit. It's always shit, you know? Uh, and that, that's hard in this Trump era because we always want to look good. Social media means we want to curate a reputation that always looks good. We need productivity. Cricket does not offer productivity. You, your output will be shit most of the time. Uh, if you can abide that and understand that there's other reasons to play the game, then play, then play. But if you need to be good, don't play because you won't be good. That is just the most succinct, perfect answer that has just surmised our entire account. Sam Perry, it's been an absolute wonderful joy, pleasure, the conviviality of it all has been profound i've had a wonderful time speaking with you and of course dave over the course of the summer um we are going to take a little bit of a break over the next few weeks perhaps coming back for the south africa tour we certainly hope so um so so bear with us while we take that break pez i'm sure you've um you've enjoyed the summer as well oh it's been amazing um you know thanks to you and to dave especially for um and to the listeners first actually especially if you've made it this far in what has easily been the longest episode they've gotten longer as the time's gone on probably a reflection of uh, how much we're enjoying it um so thank you to the listeners for bearing with us thanks to you he goes and dave for uh d- handling the fact that i've moved to london and this is a bit of a technical uh, balancing act it takes a few technical acrobatics to get this up but i think we've mm. done well we've had more listeners this year than we had last year i think our caliber of guests has been better as well uh thank you to all the guests who've joined and helped thank you to all those guests who then subsequently sent us text messages when we asked for them anonymously giving insight into the next guest and anything that was wrong with them some of them couldn't be read out but um it's been enjoyable all the same thank you to fox sports as well uh for supporting us uh and uh, you know running our articles every week and helping us um uh, promote the book and thank you to everyone who did buy our book this year as well uh you can still buy it if you want you, you can still buy books after christmas but um whether you did or didn't uh thank you for listening to us talk about it anyway and putting up with our fairly relentless promotion of it i hope it wasn't too uh, overbearing wonderfully said pez uh to that end <clears throat> who knows what's next for the great cricketer um hopefully some <laughs> some tv work maybe some radio <laughs> yeah. i don't know the social media thing will still be a thing it'll still exist we'll still keep pushing forward with that um thanks as ever for tuning in facebook twitter instagram you know how you know the score you know where to find us if you if you want us to host your event your cricket season event sam's in the uk hit him up dave and i are in sydney hit us up you know there's an email that you can find us um or just get us on social media and contact us that way uh hurry up though because um spots are filling up fast and those events are coming around very quickly um, Sam Perry, thank you so much for joining me every week. Thanks for doing the, the editing and the production work every single week. Uh, it's been fantastic. Thanks again to all of our guests. We'll see you around, hopefully, in a few weeks' time. <laughs>